Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, I said it. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimeta Podcast. of the day. My skin. My skin has gone crazy. I mean, I realize that living in the, quote, mile-high city located in a high plains desert means that I have to stay super hydrated and dry skin is definitely a thing. What I was not prepared for was how perimenopause has wreaked havoc on my poor skin. There is not enough body oil in the world to keep my skin halfway hydrated. Not to mention that gravity seems to be winning the battle Mm -hmm. all over my body. Mm -hmm. Suzanne, this is just not fair. It's not fair. That's right. Oh, Becca, I know. What the hell's going on? (laughs) I I wish I knew. Skin changes are a big issue in menopause. There are several things going on, you know, increased, increased wrinkling, that sagging of everything, possible acne, believe it or not, you know, which you thought was just related to adolescence, and then a lot of dryness. Everything old is new again. <laughs> lots and lots of dryness issues everywhere, you know, your eyes, vagina, skin. So we're going to discuss a little bit of why this is actually happening. So we discussed in our episode on hair that in the science specific to perimenopause, we know that a woman's ovaries may be making less estrogen and progesterone, remember? And the, I do. Yeah, those hormones, yeah, they're very helpful for promoting hair, skin, and nail growth. And we discussed you know, uh, that a woman in pregnancy, you might remember how your nails grow like crazy and your skin is pink. Right? And Rosie, that oh, yeah. glow of pregnancy. Pregnancy glow. Right. The glow. Yeah. yeah. I ain't seen that in a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's due all that increased blood flow to the skin structures, as well as those hormonal changes is really beneficial to the skin. That means more oxygen and nutrition to the glands and the skin structures. And that results in better nutrition to those dermal layers as well as improved health of collagen in the skin. So of course, you know, over 50 years, we have a lot of gravity pulling on everything, (laughs) right? That sun exposure, that's another thing that really ages the skin and air pollution. So if you live in a more urban environment, you're gonna have sea aging a little bit more, a little earlier due to free radical formation. So those also play a role in how fast the skin ages and causes more wrinkling and sunspots to, fo- to form. 
So, so are you suggesting that the time that I spent in the 1970s laying out slathered in baby oil is coming back to Ooh, That's right. Coming back to haunt me. <laughs> right. That's okay, right. Okay, so just stop for a minute. If you remember the days of laying out to get a tan and doing as much as you possibly could to ruin your skin, raise your hand. Right. Me. No, like, sunscreen <laughs> or oil. I remember sunscreen. doing that with you back at the lake. <laughs> With the hottest hours of the day out there, the more brown our backs were, the better, right? <laughs> Jeez. Horrific. Yes. At good times. Yeah. Good times. And all that increased dryness with that oil, the oil glands working less efficiently, it increases other skin disorders, including eczema and psoriasis as well. So you might have a mixture of skin issues going on. So, mm -hmm. and in addition, during perimenopause, there are complex changes invo involving your body mass index, sex hormone binding globulin, and insulin. Uh, so those are kind of hormonal changes that happen between 45 and 60. And that results in higher, relatively higher amounts of circulating testosterone, a male hormone. So that it contributes to more acne. And we talked about before <laughs> the hair growth on the face. So I've had all, so many women walk into the office. This is just not fair. I'm puzzled. How can I have wrinkles and increased acne? That's, it's just not fair. Uh, so it's a twofer. I know. So we'll discuss treatments specific to acne as well. So that estrogen, that's one of the keys. That's, the, that's one of the big hormones that's really helpful to uh, prevention of skin aging. And there's a bunch of ways that that does it, that estrogen does this. So we, there are... Yeah, let's talk about skin. Yeah. Let's, so give us the primer on skin. Sure. Because even though we slather our stuff, our faces and creams and everything under the sun, it's important to understand the the makeup of skin. Right, so it is. Give us, give us the lowdown. Right, it's pretty, it's an interesting, we call it an organ, uh, you know, like a kidney or, or, or like your lungs, because it's so important for regulating your body temperature and also, uh, also your kind of your water as well uh, can, can be released through the skin tissues as well. So there's several layers. There's a dermis, epidermis and subcutaneous tissues. Uh, and that's where all the blood vessels and fat are located. So there's also oil glands. Those are called sebaceous glands and sweat glands. So those help lubricate the skin and cool off the skin and body. And we when we have less estrogen, we produce less sebum, which is the what we call the oil. And we have worse blood supply to the subdermal layer. And we have lower levels of hyaluronic acid in the dermis. And hyaluronic, hyaluronic acid. acid? Yeah. Like the TV commercials with the so beautiful celebrities? That's talking right. About hyaluronic acid. It's hyaluronic great. Acid. It's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> lubricant for a lot of skin structures. So uh, so those are that's also uh, lower. Uh, estrogen helps positively affect collagen synthesis. You probably heard of collagen too. It's a molecule important for skin elasticity. Uh, it also all of the all of the stuff that's supposed to make me gorgeous. The beauty industry uh -huh. swears that. If it has collagen and hyaluronic acid, I'm going to look like a 20-year-old again. Right. Estrogen's that magic <laughs> ingredient. <laughs> if it's we could not just... estrogen. It, if I just had some collagen and hyaluronic acid, <laughs> I'd be beautiful again. You are beautiful. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Right. 
I know. And I, I just want to interject. I noticed as I got older, the, the men that I found attractive were actually more wrinkly and gray. I'm like, well, that guy's hot, that, that wrinkly gray guy. You know, the younger guy's not so interested in them. So I think our frame shifts a little bit for what's beautiful <laughs> as we get if, older. If only it shifted on in men's eyes, too, though. <laughs> yeah, like, right. oh, look at that girl. She got some, she got some smile lines. Yeah, that's and a little right. saggy neck that's and her right. titties are down. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, so estrogen, the magic component, and estrogen supplementation helps in several ways. So sebum level is higher in postmenopausal women receiving hormone replacement therapy. So it lubricates the skin, which lessens those fine lines and makes the skin less dry. Uh, skin wrinkling might also benefit from estrogen as a, uh, because of the, uh, elastic fibers and collagen production are increased and, um, outside of its influence on skin aging, it has been suggested that estrogen also helps skin repair and healing since the immune system, uh, T cells may be diminished post-menopause. So there's a bunch of ways that estrogen is probably helping your skin and it's okay. So as ever estrogen, man, God, it's. I just, it's funny because I don't understand what in the world could be the reason why um, over time nature has decided to take estrogen away from us. It just seems to be like the most unfair thing ever. Well, you know, okay, let's think about this like according to natural selection. So it's about the same time that we're no longer like in reproductive age, right? So we kind of like... We age, maybe that's less of what's attractive to some some of the opposite sex or sex partners. And, you know, hopefully what that means is that we get, we fall out of our duties for child rearing or, or kind of hel- uh, helping men feel more sexually satisfied and we can move on to better things, <laughs> you know? Uh, okay, but okay, so that's fine. Like, let me stop having children. I'm totally cool with that. But why does my hair fall out? Why does my skin go to shit? Why, do, why am I angry all the time? I mean, come on. Right. I, How can I remember anything? That's just, that seems like blatantly yeah, right. unfair. Right. That's insult to injury. <laughs> right. So what can anyway, we do okay. about it, right? Back to the skin. I know. What back can you to do the about skin. It? And we talked about how benefit, how estrogen seems to be a key component. So estrogen therapy is definitely one way to help your skin. Avoiding if you're a candidate. If you're a candidate, and one of the things too, it's not going to work to reverse aging so much as it will to halt the progression of it somewhat you're still going to age because of sun exposure gravity uh kind of Mm. pollution that sort of thing uh anyhow it's not going to stop it completely of course but it will help uh we talked also about uh sun exposure so trying to avoid too much sun exposure doesn't mean not getting outside it means putting on sunscreen wearing a hat wearing spf shirts uh, so using that good daily sunscreen to your face, your hands, yeah, I don't, your I don't ears. think my, I don't think my face has seen like has been non SPF in about twenty well, years. Good for you. It, it well, I it is, but it's like I, I don't know. It seems like if you haven't gotten the message yet that you ought to, you should have been wearing 
I mean, since the 90s anyway, that you should have been wearing something with SPF projection. Right. Yeah, right. So if you didn't get the message, get it now. Definitely start wearing the sunscreen. So Because otherwise, you're going to end up like one of those, like... Those ladies that are like in their late seventies or eighties who look like little bags of leather mm-hmm. walking around, you know, who still go out and tan. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we talked about that that subcutaneous tissue having all that blood supply, that nice fat too. Uh, so there are things that you can do take internally or do with your with your kind of lifestyle that also help your skin. So having uh, stopping smoking is a big one. So smoking is really bad for damaging small blood vessels. So blood vessels, that's probably some of that, you know, the smoker's lines or the small blood vessels getting damaged. Making sure you're eating a diet balanced with good fruits and vegetables. Take vitamin C. With the good with the good diet again. I Jesus. know. It's All the right, it's fine. the basis. It's our bit our best medicine is the is uh the food that we eat for sure. So taking vitamin C can be helpful for the skin, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, biotin, zinc, collagen, omega 3, so that's flaxseed oil internally that you just take as a pill. Also, keeping your skin hydrated with a moisturizing oil, add on some hyaluronic acid and topical vitamin C for brightening. Uh, Those are very useful. There's also retinol products. So retinol is actually a vitamin D derivative uh, that you can use topically. So you'll see that in a lot of anti-aging serums. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about that. So one of the things that I read was that if you are buying, if you're going into your local Boots or your Walgreens or your Rite Aid, and you go and get a product that has retinol in it, that I read, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, that the amount of retinol in those creams isn't actually enough to make a difference. Mm-hmm. True or false? Well, it might it might make a little bit of a difference over time, but it's not as much as what we have by prescription. So there's retinol, and then there's retinoids, and they're cousins. Uh, retinoid is a lot more uh, a lot more potent. That's the brand name Retin-A, and that's only available in the United States as a prescription. So we also use it for acne treatment. So it has a double whammy for some women who also are having acne during uh, perimenopause. Retinol is what's in a lot of the -the over-the-counter serums, though, the anti-aging serums. And it's actually not as potent as Retin-A, so that is true. And I, I think that's important, right? Because, again, the beauty industrial complex is going to tell you that, you know, slathering their serum on your face is going to, you know, turn back the clock. Yeah. The fact that they call it an anti-aging serum just drives me bananas anyway. I don't want to anti-age. <laughs> but I just, you know, I just want to make sure that you understand that if you're going after a retinol over-the-counter product to really, to do some major impact on maybe the wrinkles that you're seeing, be, temper your expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. And usually when you're getting those over-the-counter serums, there's com- there are combinations of different things, usually including some hyaluronic acid, a retinol of some sort, maybe vitamin C for brightening as well. So there might be uh, combinations that you're getting in some of those combi- those uh, the, of different things that can be helpful. Um, 
So, so keep that in mind. We were talking about retinoids. They're very good for helping with those fine lines and wrinkles. The funny thing is most insurances won't pay for them if you're over 35 because they think, hmm, we know that this is also for fine lines and wrinkles. We think that this person is probably doesn't have acne at this point that they are using it for that. So they won't, they'll deny it. Even, even though you might because you're going through perimenopause right. and you're having free testosterone giving you zits again. Yes. Fucking assholes. So there might be a way <laughs> Sorry, to... Sorry, I'll bleep that one out. <laughs> there might be a way to prior authorize that, but you do have to be careful with retinoids in general because they have a tendency to make you sunburn easy, more easily. Uh, and if you use a, a real thick layer, they can be very drying. So you also have to make sure to use moisturizer whenever you also use a retinoid. So it's kind of an interesting balance you're trying to get with that one. Am I trying to get that from a, a, a dermatologist or am I getting that from my a general practitioner? If I oh. go, if I do go for the retinoid, do I, have, is, should I be really talking to a dermatologist at this point? You don't have to. Most general practitioners can help with that. If for some reason it's not getting authorized, you want it to go through insurance, then you might have to have a dermatologist involved as well, which seems like it would cost more money for the insurance company, but uh, but that might might be what needs to happen. For a lot of my patients, if their insurance denies it, I will actually have it compounded by the local compounding pharmacy. Because it's less money. So, me giving the snaps yes, to compounding pharmacy. That's right. So, rather than costing $150 a tube, it's like $60 a tube. So, a 60 gram tube. So, that's a way around nice. it. Um, well, talk about somebody like me. I have always, and you know me well enough, I have always had what's considered a ruddy complexion. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that lovely ruddy complexion might be a little bit of rosacea. Uh, so that, that one thing to look for in some of those, uh, topicals are, uh, niacinamide. It's actually a B vitamin derivative. It helps with any redness of the face. So even if you have a little redness from, uh, acne scarring, for instance, it might be useful. Mm. So think about that. Um, if you have rough skin, like, uh, it's getting so dry, it's just getting rough and bumpy, or you're getting some eczema flares, uh, adding alpha hydroxy to your lotions is useful. So it helps break down that skin layer and allows the moisturizer to work more efficiently and make sure you're drinking plenty of water. So, you know, that's another way to keep everything hydrated. It will get to the skin layer as well and help you, uh, help everything kind of pink up and stay nice and, and moisturized. So around 40 to 60 ounces a day to help Kim okay, that No, I would live in the bathroom. I'd live in the bathroom. <laughs> Go back to last week's episode on incontinence yeah, right. and talk to me about yeah. 60 ounces of water. Are you fucking kidding? Right. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's trade-offs, right? I mean, I can have plumpy skin or I can have plumpy skin and sit in the bathroom. <laughs> right. Well, at least you'll be out of the sun. <laughs> Look at you, Miss Brightside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, there's a catch-22 uh, with menopause and skin health and that dryness. Is that 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 top layer, the stratum corneum, which is actually a layer of dead skin cells, they that gets thicker the drier your skin is, and that makes it really hard for lotions and oils to work. So, uh, so 
you have to do this extra layer, which is called exfoliation, uh, in order to get that layer off and allow your, your topicals to work. So that's another thing you might want to add into your routine, like every three to six months. Uh, some people will do it as much as every month. Uh, and you can do it with peels, loofahs, uh, or microdermabrasion, which is a multi-syllable word, which means actually just kind of a mild suction and sandpaper to the face. It's done by a lot of estheticians who do facials. So something to think about doing. Uh, so working more from that inside out with estrogen supplements and that good hydration from the outside, sunscreen, hyaluronic acid, oils, regular, regular exfoliation, that's the best way to get your, your skin looking best younger. But those unfortunate women with acne, so there's some specialized uh. options. I know, I know this is what, this one's, I feel bad for those people who have to deal with both. So we know it's due to testosterone excess in relationship to estrogen because from lower sex hormone binding globulin. So we have a, a pill that's a testosterone blocking pill, spironolactone. So sometimes we'll use that. That's also a pill that sometimes helps with hair too. So it's uh well, helps talk with about the that. So let's, let's, let's define acne, right? Yeah. I'm, you're not talking about the random zit, right? If I'm going to a spironolactone. Right. It We're talking about full breakout. Yeah, right. Yeah, so usually yeah? full okay. breakouts because you can generally treat those like one breakout. Maybe you just use your Retin-A uh, only during those times if you're using it for acne, or you'll you can use over-the-counter benzoyl peroxide, which is also helpful. You can spot treat those pretty well, so it might be a little overkill doing the spironolactone. Spironolactone also has this side effect of actually affecting increased potassium. So sometimes we do like to check a potassium level if you've been on it three months in a row. So uh, so that remember that could be a potential side effect. So maybe you if it's not such a bad you're not having too bad of breakouts then maybe you don't want to use that kind of uh, pill and it's a once a day pill so it's just something you know that not too intensive to have to take. And we just mentioned also some of those over the counters that are good for acne treatment uh, benzoyl peroxide witch hazel, adaptiline gel, that's called different gel. And that's something you different. can use. Different. Yeah, you can get that over More Harry corner. Potter. That I'm pretty sure that different <laughs> is a Harry Potter spell. I, I just, I know I'm a dork, but God. Okay. Adaptiline, mm -hmm. di, uh, AKA different. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, sometimes we'll also use uh, prescriptions of a higher dose of Retin-A. So that's also something that you can use. We'll also sometimes use oral antibiotics. Sometimes we'll also use topical antibiotics too. So there, there's also okay. a kind of a laser treatment called the blue light laser, which is specific for acne. It might even be covered by insurance. So that's something that you might look into. You'd have to do that one through a dermatologist though. Speaking of acne, so what percentage of the of the perimenopausal population are we really talking about really is that like 50 percent? no more like 3%? 10 to 15 i'd say it's not usually okay. a big big problem for severe acne yeah in women who are period okay. but that's still a surprising amount wouldn't you say i mean it's not something you're worried about i'd say so i think it's good to know for women that you're not it's not a crazy thing it's not you know don't you don't have to delve deep into what am i doing with my diet what am i doing wrong it's just hormonal related 
Yes. So yes. another Good. skin-related issue that can be happening, oh I know, is that, uh, and this is a consideration with estrogen replacement therapy, actually, uh, that when we give you that, you can actually increase, increase your tendency towards melasma. That's melasma. A, another Harry Potter word for you. <laughs> melasma, <laughs> which is the mask of pregnancy. That's what we call it. We have, that's another name for that, which is where a real intense pigmentation, usually kind of on the mm-hmm. cheeks, uh, uh, can happen a little bit on the forehead um, also. Uh, so that, that tends to happen in women during pregnancy, a little higher estrogen state, or if you're on birth control pills, sometimes it can cause that melasma to come out. Uh, it's more common in, in Hispanic women to get melasma too. We can use chemical peels for that. Uh, also hydroquinone, which it comes as an over the counter and prescription strengths. And those are things that actually lighten those dark spots. So you don't have to decide not to take estrogen replacement because of that, because we can use these other things as well. But if it's really severe for you, it might be a consideration for that. Yeah. And I, I just want to emphasize one more time that sunscreen or big old and big old floppy hat and SPF uh, shirt and I, we talked about how a lot of damage is done when you're a child, but and we didn't talk so much about how at this age is also when skin cancers are, are coming up from the damage done before. So if you do see a mole that's changing uh, color, it's getting darker, the edges are getting irregular, it's getting bigger, the consistency's changing, it's starting to bleed, anything like that that, that seems to be arising from a mole uh, or something you're you, you know you're not sure what's going on go right in to see your provider because you know we don't talk about so much but the number one cancer that that people have is skin cancer and we actually just kind of move that aside and say well we're not talking everybody gets that so we're going to talk about breast cancer colon cancer prostate cancer but the number one cancer is skin cancer so and you know it's a very important if you've had a first degree relative mom or dad has had melanoma you should be getting skin exams with a dermatologist once a year or if you've had a history of basal cell cancer uh, or uh, squamous cell cancer of your skin, certainly want to be doing regular skin exams. And that usually means completely undressed, looking all over the body. And use that sunscreen on the backs of your hands, on your ears, the back of your neck, the chest area, because that's going to be where most of those cancers show up. And surprisingly, so my experience has told me, so I started seeing a dermatologist because I'm super fair. And again, freckled like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout the 70s and 80s when it was very cool to be as tan as possible um, and have a ton of sun damage. And so mm-hmm. I went in thinking, you know, I can't see my back. I want somebody to look mm-hmm. at it. And come to find out that I had some uh, basal cell skin cancer. Where? On my shin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. my shit are you kidding me right now mm-hmm. i'm like look at my face look at my ears look at look at all those places and the dermatologist said the second most common place mm-hmm. outside the head and neck are going to be on your legs mm-hmm. on your shins and i said why in the world is that so no idea mm-hmm. but it's a i don't know if it's the type of skin you have there so don't overlook uh, you're like oh no i you know most of my sun damage is on my face my legs don't look that bad <laughs> guess what? It can pop up anywhere. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
boy, oh boy, there's all sorts of high-tech options for defeating wrinkles and fine lines. And I have special training in these. So, so I thought maybe if you'd like, we could delve a little deeper into some of them. Let's talk about it because it seems to me, again, as the standard consumer, it seems like some brand new miracle treatment mm -hmm. option is introduced every 15 minutes. And so, yeah, I think just thinking about skin, thinking about aesthetics and how people want to present themselves, there is probably some value in talking yeah. about what are the different options, but I want pluses and minuses sure. too, right? Yeah. So if something's temporary, I want to know it's temporary. Well, let's start with injectables because I think that those are common, commonly used by some people. Some people even start them early uh, nowadays to try to prevent wrinkles, uh, which I'm not sure. I The problem with starting them too early uh, is that sometimes that, that can cause them to be less effective as you get older. And some of the examples of these are Botox or Dysport, which uh, is a, a neuromodulator. That's the nice name for it. It paralyzes the muscles. Uh, so it's poison. It's poison uh, <laughs> yeah, from botulism, kind of this, uh, this uh, botulism to toxin from a bacteria that you can get if you don't can food properly. <laughs> <laughs> and it can cause paralysis uh, and get people to get really sick. But in small, small amounts that we use, and we've been using Botox as a treat. It started as a treatment for strabismus, which is eye misalignment. Uh, we also use it for tonia. Like people have uh, neuromuscular issues in their arms or legs, you can inject it with Botox. So it did start as more of a therapeutic injection. And then we realized, hmm, it appears oh. to be that this might be something that works well for lines in the forehead and maybe wrinkles around the eyes. And so we started using extra small amounts. Oh, and the 11s for sure. We don't want to look mad ever, right? We don't want resting bitch face. Heaven forbid. <laughs> if we could just smile a little more we without looking just angry. Smile. Right. Don't paralyze the smile lines. That's for sure. So Botox uh, and it's so commonly used. That's the one that can really, if you start too young, uh, after six, seven years, you might actually produce antibodies. So it makes it less effective. And already Botox, even if you just are starting out on it, only lasts about three to six months. So you have to keep mm -hmm. re-injecting in order to get the same effect. Um, so that's a consideration, but it does work really well for smile lines wrinkles on the forehead, the number 11s. We can use it for lip lines also. The Yeah. yeah. And it's not too painful because we just use a really small needle. The other one is uh, fillers. Uh, and those are actually made by with hyaluronic acid. Uh, <gasps> so that, More that, hyaluronic acid. Yes, but injected into your skin. And sometimes inject, they, have, they contain lidocaine, which is a numbing agent. So that way, when they're injected, it's not it gets less painful the more you inject. Uh, that's a specific, really a concern at the lips. The lips are really sensitive to getting a needle poked in them. So needle poked in them. Yeah. So and filled. <laughs> and filled. So having a little a little bit of that lidocaine is really useful. 
Um, we can do fillers in all those places where there are bigger folds. So like around the the nose, uh, the na we call that the nasolabial fold for that area that by the, the corners of the mouth that makes you look like you're frowning. We can inject those with fillers. We can also put Botox there so that those muscles aren't pulling your lips down, making you look like you're frowning because we don't want to, we never want to be unhappy, right? I don't know what the deal Never. Is. We can never we be unhappy. Always be we can smiling. never look, I don't know. Anything but pleasant. What? If I don't look pleasant, why am I existing? And, and this is Beck and I being extremely sarcastic for, for crying out loud. If you're unhappy, be unhappy. Frown. You know, you don't have to be smiling all the time. That's not, that's not what we're saying at all. Just to clarify. <laughs> but yes, we're being extremely sarcastic the way that women are oftentimes viewed and mm -hmm. like, well, honey, if you just smile a little more, mm -hmm. you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So okay. those are the main fillers that we use. There are also some that actually work, uh, th that are, uh, Sculptra is one that's put all over the subdermal area and that really plumps up all the skin. So mm -hmm. that's a ex very expensive, very painful uh, how long is a how long is a filler gonna last? Oh, good question. So, so a lot of the ones that are for the more superficial lines last about six to twelve months. Some that we put close to the bone, so some we put to help plump up cheeks and jawline. They can last twelve to twenty four months. So it just depends on how thick it is, and we put it different depths depending on uh, what the thickness of it. The we have to use more superficially the thinner ones so that they move because you do. You have expression you don't want a clump of something there that's obvious so we have thinner fillers for that so what i hear you saying is that madonna might look like madonna <laughs> again in 20 12 to 24 months i swear to god i saw a picture of her and i'm like what have you done to your face <laughs> yeah. she just you know she she looks like balloon mm -hmm. right she has so much filler right. yeah. action happening yeah that her whole face just looks like so around yeah doll or something true, true. bizarre okay right be careful with your fillers right it's good to less is definitely more there's some tr strategic places to put it so and it just depends on your you you know you can get fillers not just from an md or do you can get fillers from uh an esthetician or a nurse practitioner that has opened up shop uh so um so those are some consideration make sure you have somebody who's experienced and, and I'd say that there's a, are a lot of another incidents, incidents where the nurse practitioners are very good at this. Uh, they, a lot of them have had a lot of extra training, have been doing it for years and years. So that could be your provider for that. A lot of, uh, a lot of those, uh, like plastic surgeons actually have a nurse practitioner who's doing their injections. Lasers. I love lasers because they, they work really well. Uh, they're really good at reversing uh, reversing a lot of the pigmentation associated with uh, aging. They have radio frequency uh, modalities that help with wrinkling and fine lines. So they're, one of the modalities I really like is IPL or intense pulse light. It's also called getting a photofacial. And that one, um, just, uh, you know, usually treatment is about 30 minutes, not too long. There's some little bit of downtime, feels like kind of a sunburn almost, but it's not doing any damage to your skin um, that would cause you to get cancer like the sun. Find a lot of those patches come off. They just, they come to the surface. They actually produce a little dry pigmented skin and then they fall off. So that's intense pulse light. 
So is this something that I'm going to use? So I've got a, I got like an age spot on my face. Yeah. Well, I got a couple age spots, and so why would I use a laser to try to get rid of those? Yeah, you sure could. Or is this an all-over face thing? Well, you a lot of times you can you can do it spot treatment if you want. You might as well go for the whole photo facial because you're going to take care of those plus other ones that are a little bit lighter that you may not notice as much. You can do it either way, whichever you feel comfortable with. There, there's another uh, another modality called a YAG laser, and that's a really intense laser. YAG? YAG. YAG, YAG, YAG. Like a, not gag, a like a Y. Yeah. That, that <laughs> actually r- really kind of burns down the top layer of skin, and it makes a lot of, uh, uh, does a lot of help for fine lines. So, But there is a significant downtime. There's about two weeks that your skin is really kind of... Uh, healing so you have to be careful who the hell can take off two weeks uh well if you're retired (laughs) or if you're in between (laughs) movies then perhaps you can or photo shoots maybe you could take two weeks of downtime (laughs) okay okay uh sublative therapy so there's a that's actually where we uh introduce a lot of small um uh, punctures basically either using a, a like heat or using in needles really small small needles so that's sublative therapy you can have radio frequency with that there's also well, wait wait what good does that do it, that sounds horrible so it stimulates collagen I'm gonna right puncture your skin puncture 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 lots of little puncture wounds actually stimulate collagen so it causes tightening of the skin it's a fantastic modality for people with scarring so stretch marks, acne scarring. Uh, so we'll use it uh, even not during menopause. So it's helpful for that. But it helps crepey skin uh, when the skin, you know, of your cheeks or your neck starts to get looking a little crepey. We can use that to help. Uh, usually, that was. And see, I think is crepey skin a new is crepey a new phrase because oh. I swear to God, ten years ago I never heard the word crepey skin, oh. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hammer, that's my husband. Hammer, do I have crepey skin?" <laughs> He said, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. It's the, and you know, that skin okay. that looks like it's really uh, like a dry piece of tissue, basically. Um, you can do microneedling. Fabric. Yes, like fabric. Uh, microneedling, which is just a, a, a basically like a pencil device that, that the, the provider can go all over your skin. You can add platelet-rich plasma, PRP, which is actually drawn from the the person, so whoever the, the patient is or client, and then they spin it down to get all of the nice plasma uh, cells that are important in healing that your body would use, like fighting an infection or healing a wound. So those come to the surface, then those are siphoned off and spread all over the face. And that's called a Who the hell thinks of all this? Cell. I swear to God. <laughs> you take your own blood out, you get it all spun up, and then you you put it on top? On top. You put it, you can do either. Uh, you, you put can, your own blood. Own slap blood it all over oh your face. God, you can't. don't do it. The provi- your, your technician will do it. It uh, goes all over the face and provides a lot of fibroblasts directly, which help with collagen, uh, f- uh, collagen, and then a lot of like inflammatory mediators, so that your own immune system works on trying to get that air that area looking a little bit younger. And I, I have to say, who thinks of all this? 
There are billions of dollars in this industry. Of course there uh, are. Of, especially, of course there are. I have to say, especially as our over 65 age group uh, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, so boomers yes. never never giving up the, the boomers ghost. exactly <laughs> right so so this industry is actually expanding so there's going to be more and more modalities probably uh over the next 20 years so see suzanne you were supposed to tell me it's like you know what we learned this from treat from coming up with new treatments for burn victims or <laughs> <laughs> or or people who have been scarred or uh-huh. in horrible accidents or have had cancer. You're supposed to tell me that we spent all our time and money researching these to cure them and oh guess what? It also happens to help everybody else. So right. I guess not. Yeah. Follow the money. Right. Follow the money. Well, stretch okay. marks. That was that happened naturally and you know, that's a, we're definitely helping that, but there's still mostly a cosmetic uh, indication there. We talked a little bit about microdermabrasion. I kind of alluded to that when I talked about getting rid of that top layer of dead skin. Uh, that's so, like an OG. Even I yeah. remember microdermabrasion okay, yes. from back in the 90s. Right. That's a great one. It's a really good one to do pretty regularly. Chemical peels. They're really useful. They can help melasma. These we will even use in younger groups. Uh, they're very good for getting rid of that top layer of skin that that and help whatever your your hyaluronic acid work a little bit more in those deeper light le- le- levels. PDO threads. This is interesting. This is uh, these are sutures that uh, are really long sutures. Some of them have barbs in them. Uh, some of them are oh spirals. God. Uh, and what they do is they're introduced under the skin in either, it may be deep folds or lines. Suzanne is pointing in her chin right now, by the way. (laughs) Deep folds or lines like on the forehead, around the mouth. You can even do them on the lips. Uh, and those, uh, also stimulate collagen formation. The ones with barbs actually are introduced under the skin and then they're pulled. So they lift the face. So if like you're kind of like a, a poor man's facelift in a way, right? Yeah. <laughs> poor man's facelift. <laughs> <laughs> we also can use it to lift the chin and lift the neck. So we use it for all of that lower face. They absorb slowly over time, usually about a year, but they do introduce collagen in those areas so that it sometimes helps things to remain a little bit more lifted. So those are... Those are just some of the modalities, and there there are a few more, but those are the ones that have been around for a while, actually, and are are very commonly used. Or I've got one. I've got one. Here's my method. Here's what here's what I've done in order to to attack aging and to turn back the clock. I just I throw some moisturizer. I wash my face and I throw some moisturizer on, and you know, get used to the face that looks back into me in the mirror. Cause I think, I think what the point is, is like, if you want to get something done, there's a lot of options, mm-hmm. but you know what? If you don't want to get anything done, mm-hmm. that's an option too. Right. You, you can just, you know, take what the good Lord gave you and, and keep carrying on or you can get something done about it. Um, right. So I, yeah. I, I think that it's such an individualized choice, isn't it? Right. And I would say, I mean, it's a good, this is a good time to interject that, it's probably a, a nice idea, uh, helpful to try to choose a practitioner who does not recommend too much. Like uh, sometimes what will happen is 
you walk in for a consultation and they'll say, well, I see this, 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 and this, and this is how we can fix all those things. And they may be things that you weren't even thinking there was anything wrong in the first place. <laughs> so, so I would be, uh, careful of, of, uh, pro- steer clear of providers who do are like that. Uh, don't walk in necessarily feeling like, well, I just want to go in and see what they have to say. I want everything listed off. Cause you'll be surprised at how much your eye goes to that area when you thought, I, I mean, I never thought anything about my neck aging until somebody mentioned it to me. And I thought, well, hell, I didn't even know. I mean, I had no idea. I thought that's just normal <laughs> folds. I mean, I have to move my, my neck like this all the time. So what's the big deal? People are looking here. They're I, not looking here. <laughs> I went I went in to get a facial. And <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sitting there and she says, well, what are we doing today? And I'm like, oh, you know, just a facial. And she's like, are we going to work on those eyebrows? <laughs> I'm like, no. And she goes, like, are we going to work on this? Are we going to work uh, on it? I'm like, girl, shut up yeah. and give me my facial. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so so definitely it's good good idea to go in with an idea of what it, the area you want treated, the thing that, that is, uh, that you're concerned about, because that's, uh, that, that gives you the, you the control of, of, uh, helping, you know, something that you might be a little more self-conscious of. Uh, but you know, and certainly like Becca said, aging is normal. There is definitely a slippery slope. Uh, also, if you're doing too much in one area of your body, that kind of, you know, and the rest of you is aging, you know, trying to find a balance between everything is, is definitely the way to go. Uh, and, and usually, uh, there are a lot of practitioners or providers out there who are very good at, at just helping you with the thing that bothers you. If it's just your 11s, you know, go in just saying, I want just my 11s done, uh, and try to steer clear from talking about everything you could possibly do. And for those who uh, don't know the phrase elevens, it's the space between your eyebrows that has a tendency, you know, because when you like knit your eyebrows together, you can get elevens. Or if you've been squinting in the sun, you get elevens. Mm-hmm. That's when we say elevens. That's actually what we're referring right. to. I've never heard the phrase before. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have any questions okay. about any of those, Becca? I mean, anything you kind of oh, had thought God. about and you're like, what the hell? I don't know. I, it's too many things, but I do want to learn about it this. Is too, <laughs> it's too many things, but I think it's really, um, it's very interesting. Look, the, the beauty industrial complex is not going to stop. It is it is going to continue. I think, I think what the takeaway here is there's a ton of options and you can also choose not to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to live with yourself. You got to look at that person in the mirror. And if if changing something that's driving you bananas, like Suzanne said, go get something done, mm-hmm. right? Right. I'm seriously thinking about the whole laser thing because the the big I have two big age spots on my face. Mm-hmm. I think I'd love to get something done with those. Am I gonna go and get barbs put under my skin? Fuck no. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But that's just me. Right. <laughs> but but I, I think it's important. And I, and I also think, you know, some of the things that I heard you say, let's let's back up the train out of the aesthetics. But I, I think what it is, is again, we get it. Estrogen is everything. And it is impact. If you've listened to any of these episodes, you understand what a massive, massive impact it has on your body. And your skin is no exception. And it that estrogen plus gravity 
is over over four, you know, 40 plus, 50 plus years is going to take a toll on you. That's okay. And, mm -hmm. you know, understand. But it's just, you know, some of those things that used to happen, some of that collagen is not working the way it used to. Um, your skin is not as elastic. Oh, yeah. When you were 12 years old and got that sunburn, believe it or not, it's come back to haunt you mm -hmm. all these years later. Um, so many of these things. And without our friend estrogen, who is now, I'm going to just call her my best friend estrogen. If I don't have it, I have to think about something else. And so certainly there's some topicals that I can use, hyaluron, anything with hyaluronic acid, retinol. The ads are right, but understand that there's probably going to be in increments that are very, very small. So don't expect miracles when you go and, you know, get your over-the-counter retinol. Now, that being said, there's some prescription options that are available, Retin-A, um, and then there's also options if you if you are one of those unfortunate son of bitches who also has acne on top of it, go go get that taken care of because that, that is not something that you should be suffering with at your age, mm -hmm. honest to God. There's definitely things to be done. There's also those, you know, come on, the standards. Put some SPF on your face every right. day. Put some moisturizer, drink some damn water, right. <laughs> take some vitamins, stay, cover yourself in the sun. Don't avoid it altogether, but, you know, be, be smart about it and, and then decide how you want to approach the aging thing. Mm -hmm. Your face is going to get older. There's nothing in the world that says that you're going to have to look 21 again or 25 or even 30 again. You know, understand that you can go get something done. Do it for you though. Do it because, do it because you want to like the person in the mirror, not because society expects it or your family expects it or your your bumble app <laughs> picture <laughs> requires it um <laughs> do it because it's what you want to do mm -hmm. yeah right wow okay informative mm -hmm. as ever so let's talk about our next episode so one of the things that we want to talk about are your bones i mean we've talked about uh, your joints, we talked about skin, but what we really want to talk about is bones because you are rolling into the time of your life when osteoporosis is a thing. And it's super important that you start thinking about your bone health. You want to think about your family history and we're going to talk about how perimenopause and menopause can really do a number on your bones. And if you have a grandma or a mother right now who's elderly, you know that a little hip fracture is uh, sometimes the beginning of the end mm -hmm. of a high quality of life. I'm going to preface that one. So mm -hmm. anyway, join us, bones and all, for our next episode of the Perimental Podcast. If you would like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. 
please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.